What's going on, good people, and welcome to Live by the Three, a Raptors podcast with your boy Curly. Give me a follow on the Instagram page at Live by the Period Number Three, and on Twitter. Yes, I am still calling it Twitter at Live by the Zero Three. <laughs> I, I am joined today by someone I've been a fan of for quite some time. He does phenomenal work, whether it's spoken or written. Continues to put out fire content. Somebody that I, I I consider a connector piece, that glue guy that keeps everything together on and off the court. He <laughs> does it with his written, he does it with his spoken, and he's even doing sideline reporting here from SDPN and the Objective Podcast. I'm thinking CEBL sideline reporter. That's yes, right. Yeah. Very man, brother. You have so many things connected <laughs> to your name. Like That's I feel why. like. That's why like, I'm the connector, I guess. That's why yeah. you're the, you know what? I think I need the Stephen A graphic for LeBron. You know that one? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. philanthropist, NBA champ. Yeah, I think I need that from now on when I'm oh, introducing you. Great. How how you doing, brother? I'm good, man. First of all, thank you for having me on. Appreciate you. I, I am also a big fan of the Live by the Three network uh that that you have going, man. Seriously, I I always love it. Um, you know, we interact a bunch on Twitter, but obviously we run and play basketball together as well. So that is always appreciated. You are, if anything, I would say you are the connective piece because you're the <laughs> one who connects all of us together. You're the glue piece that, that kind of gets us all into one spot. So always appreciative for you, man. Thank you. Thank you. I think it's something that we can share. I think yeah, that's a title yeah. that we can we'll share. Both be, we'll both be Josh Hart. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we just got to get some funny memes going, you know, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, well, brother, you, you know what we're here to do. We're here to talk some hoops. You know, you refer to yourself as a basketball junkie and, and I am as well. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I would love nothing better than to no, tap but into you're, basketball. You're crazy. You're crazy. Your hoop <laughs> grids are to behold. If anybody doesn't know this, by the way, go and check. Your your hoop grids are incredible, Curly. It's in unreal. Every time I see them, I'm like, come on, man. How is he getting less than 10? Like, this is just, this is, un- <laughs> I, I can never do that. I thought I was a hoop addict. I thought I was a guy who could pull out name after name, but you were You've you've got me beat, bro. You've got me beat. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. You know, I, I love ball, and I think it reflects in my hoop grids. I think, <laughs> I think it does. <laughs> in case of what everybody was wondering, but hey, man, you do such a phenomenal job covering not just the Raptors but the NBA in general. And I, and, and I may be going a little bit off script, but like you've held so many titles, you, you've worked at different organizations, and yet you still find a creative way to give off like information and topics that is already covered. So I just want to tap in like, like, what is your process? Like, do you take a little bit of those experiences and put it all together? Like, what's what's your thought process and all of it, man? Because like I said, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not just blowing smoke, you do phenomenal work. And I'm no, an absolute fan, man. So please. I appreciate you, bro. First of all, I, I don't really know what my process is. Like sometimes I'll, it depends on different things and, and what the whole point of the whole thing is. Like for CBL uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, it was superhero day. And I didn't know until two minutes before I was supposed to do my on-camera thing that it was superhero day. So I, I was like trying to think, okay, what are some like superhero references I can throw out there? Okay, this is Batman. He works alone. Iron Man, you know, this guy's an iron. You know what I mean? So like, a lot of it is just like injecting things from other areas that I have interest in, whether it be movies, whether it be film, whether it be music, et cetera, et cetera, like finding a creative way to approach whatever it is you're talking about. Um, 
and then bringing a, a part of your life and a part of your approach to to just life in general to the work that you do. I th think that's one of the things that I try to focus on the most. I'm sorry if that wasn't a good answer. I just like, I, I, I have no idea what my process is either. I, honestly, I like for me, it's if I'm looking at something. So for example, right? Team Canada has its training camp this week. Okay. And I'm going to be heading to a couple of the practices. I'm thinking just in my head of what I can ask some of these players, what the storyline, what is the through line that I'm th thinking of. And I know there are going to be 20 other media members there asking the same type of questions that I'm thinking of. So I immediately throw those questions out. I'm like, I'm not even considering those questions because I already know, you know, Michael Grange of Sportsnet, he's probably going to be asking those questions. I know Blake Murphy probably going to be asking those questions, Katie Heindel, whatever. Right. Yeah. I, I, I throw those questions out almost immediately and I'm like, all right, so here are the types of questions I have left. Let me see how I can approach this and how I can make a story out of it. Yeah. I think that's a great answer for me. I'll yeah. accept that, you know, uh, on the fly. I think a spontaneous approach yeah. uh, definitely leaves room for like some of the better questions in my humble opinion. I mean, I'm, I'm not in that position. So that would be my process. That's my process with some of the pods that I tackle. So yeah, yeah. man, I, I'm with it, man. I, I love it. So let, let's talk Raptors, man. This team is, <laughs> is interesting to say the least, you know, um, and, and it's been that way ever since the championship and, you know, COVID kind of put a, a, a hindrance on things. And then we got Scotty Barnes and exceeded expectations. And now we're kind of like stuck in the middle, man. Mm -hmm. And this off season has been, in my humble opinion, a, a non-exciting one. If you're a Raptors fan, considering the talent that leaves the door and then your attempt at replacing those talents the mid-level exception players have not been hitting <clears throat> excuse me for quite some time and they continue to do these interesting signings i'm, I'm not going to be disrespectful by any means and say somebody is garbage or anything you're, you're in the nba uh, we're playing pickup hoops on sunday you're doing far better than me when it comes to basketball <laughs> you know but the raptors signed garrett temple for a two one-year deal 3.2 million dollars i personally think that that's money that could have been used for a Jeff Doughton. Yeah. Possibly the cow space could have been used for a potential trade or there were some other interesting free agents like a Jalen Noel. Yeah. Maybe they felt that we had one Noel's too many that maybe they didn't go in that direction, but it definitely seems like a locker room signing to me. Like what's, what's your take on the Garrett Temple signing? Yeah. Look, I mean, for all the points, points you kind of pointed out it is puzzling uh it's it's strange that they're using we have the exact same water bottle by the way just different colors let's go my guy um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no it is it is a strange signing it's puzzling just because you're right they essentially gave up that space that flexibility to be able to sign someone else or maybe take in salary from another place uh they've pressed themselves up right next to that luxury tax line and yeah, I mean, like that is a huge issue. I think from the positive perspective of this, the Raptors definitely needed a veteran presence. They already have Thad and Otto, but Thad seems to be on his way out. He seems like a, a piece to be used in a trade. Otto only has one year left on his deal. So maybe they bring in another veteran in Garrett Temple. And maybe throughout this season, you know, it's only a one-year deal. Maybe he seems to be that veteran locker room presence 
that helps a Scotty Barnes, that helps a Grady Dick. And, uh, you know, from just like being around people who know a lot of things, I think getting veteran help to help their young guys seem to be a priority because they want to find the vets that can get those guys motivated, if I were to just put it that way. And I think that's that's very important when it comes to Scotty, when it comes to Precious, you know, all those guys. So finding ways to get those guys into NBA shape and an NBA habits and being a real professional, quote unquote, I think that's what it means to have a guy like Garrett Temple. But you're right. They could have signed Jeff Doughton with that. He now is most likely, like, I mean, realistically, unless there's a trade that happens, he probably doesn't make the team because their roster spots are all filled. They have 15 players, and I can't see them really letting go of any of these guys unless, like, okay, they maybe wave a Thad or wave an Otto. Maybe they do that, but that just seems like a a waste in a lot of ways. So, I don't know. If I had to be a betting man, I'd say that this means that there's – another domino to fall which means like there's a trade or something along the lines of that that might happen over the next couple months yeah i agree i i think anything else other than that logical move which is a a trade down the line potentially it it doesn't make sense and it does definitely doesn't make sense when you exercise thad's contract only to waive him in the end then you're stuck with dead money there that certainly doesn't make sense i've been very critical of this front office i would give them the benefit of the doubt that that is not what they're going to do. I definitely see an opportunity where you can use Thad's expiring to get another player of quote-unquote quality. Uh, Maybe Otto Porter Jr. gets flipped for a team that is going on a deep playoff run. You never know. Uh, I think there's more opportunities there. The thing that I'm struggling with, and while I do agree that veteran leadership is very, very important, guys that have been there, done that, and it definitely seems like we are in that trajectory of being a young team or potentially a rebuilding team, depending on what goes on with some of our veteran pieces or core pieces, I should say, it's going to be useful. I just can't seem to wrap my head. $17.2 million for veteran leadership seems to be a heavy that's price a tag. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lot. It's a lot. And like, maybe, you know, you, you can look at that and say, okay, Otto is expected to provide something for you. He's a rotational piece. If he plays, you know, 60 plus games, that's a guy who can be in your, eight to nine man rotation Thad and Garrett. Yeah. They're essentially just veteran leadership. That's exactly what they're there for. They're there. They're there to be the, the old wise men of the locker room. And I agree with you. That's a lot of money to spend on veteran leadership. Uh, and like overall, I think that is something that's going to be even more interesting moving forward because the Raptors don't have, they don't have a Udonis Haslam that's been with the organization for 20 years, knows the ins and outs, knows exactly what Masai wants, et cetera, et cetera. I think part of that is finding those type of guys. Kyle Lowry could have been that guy for them, but that, you know, that obviously he moved into a different direction. Fred was that guy for them for the last three or four years. Pascal isn't necessarily that like outspoken, you know, leader type to be talking in the locker room a bunch. He more so is a follow uh, you know, kind of lead, like lead by example. Thank you. I'm miss, yeah. I'm missing my words. Up, you called me all creative and stuff, and now I'm forgetting my words. Yes, lead by example. L- um, lift, lift to the expectation, brother. Please. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but lead by example is, is exactly what Pascal would be. So now you need someone who's vocal. And Garrett, uh, I think from the videos that we've seen online and just from some of the articles I've written, or not I've written, but people have written, he seems like a guy who's extremely motivated and extremely vocal in the locker room. So maybe they now find that guy in a Thad, in an auto, in a, you know, Garrett, 
who knows that's the only reasoning that's the only thing that makes sense it, the only way this really makes sense is if they do this so we'll see man we'll see I, I guess that's the perfect way to put it is that we'll see right and yeah. something that we've been waiting and seeing for for quite some time especially since the end of the off season is our guy pascal siakam our best mm -hmm. player mr all nba himself most improved nba champion yeah he's been linked to multiple teams he's been linked to multiple rumors we hear mixed things about his happiness with this team or potentially right. his frustration with, with this team. And I, I find it very hard to to stomach that our best player is being put in this position. And, and it's partially because this front office has used a wait and see approach as to what this team would look like. Maybe yeah. uh, banking on internal growth, internal development puts them in this position the definitely the missing on the mid-level exception guys the mm -hmm. guys rotational pieces not having enough of those guys a backup point guard all these things led to this point and i just find it interesting that nowadays we, we live in a time that the best player for any team requests to trade it's very rare now that you're going to see a team willingly trade their best players to kind of solve all their problems and the mm -hmm. fo has to take some responsibility of this situation but we don't know what's going to happen with Pascal. And you tweeted uh, a while back that you definitely see Pascal not being a part of the team at, at the start of the season. Now you're yeah. kind of seeing that the Raptors have stepped back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Pascal is using a wait and see approach. The Raptors are going to use a wait and see approach. But I, I want to get your take going into this season. It might not be at the beginning of the season. It could be trade deadline. Yeah, could be at the end of the season. But what do you see is more likely at this point? Do you see a Pascal extension down the line or do you definitely see a trade on the horizon? I think if they don't extend him, they will absolutely trade him before the start of the season. I just don't think you can get to that point where you were with Fred Van Vliet at the trade deadline last year where nobody was willing to pick up an expiring. And especially with the reports that we've seen that he's Pascal is not willing to resign or sign an extension as immediately as soon as he gets traded somewhere else. I think he definitely wants to have a wait-and-see approach himself to the summer of 2024 where he can get offered a lot of money. Um, and especially with the cap going up, it's going to give him some more flexibility to get uh, millions here and there a little bit more. I just think that's where Pascal sits. And if, if the Raptors decide, okay, well, we're trying to extend him now, I think Pascal would come to the table and probably agree to an extension right now because it gives him that one year that he has next season plus four more years. That's five years of guaranteed money for him. And I, I mean, I think for from Pascal's situation, him being an all-NBA player, et cetera, et cetera, I think Pascal would want to stay here. But the question becomes, if you're going to do that, what does the rest of this team look like? You have an OG Ananobi extension moving forward. You have a Precious Achua extension. Not so long after that, there's going to be a Scotty Barnes extension, then a Grady Dick extension. Your thing starts to look very, very expensive. And expensive, but not very good. So then you have to you have to sort of figure out when is this decision time? And, you know, Curly, we've talked about it a bunch, but like the decision time for this team was probably last year, if mm -hmm. not the year before that. I, it was definitely two years ago. Right. Definitely. And, and they, they missed that. They missed that boat. That boat has gone. And now they're dealing with the repercussions of missing that opportunity to cash in on a Pascal, to cash in on a Fred Van Vliet, to cat and be able to really recoup 
assets to build forward with Scotty Barnes. Um, and they, they missed out on that big time. And I think they've just been, they've been dealing with the repercussions of that for, for the last couple of seasons. If I was still a betting man, I would still say that Pascal is not on the team on opening night. I still think that just because they can't go into another season with uncertainty looming a big reason, a massive reason the vibes were so bad last year was because Gary was up for a contract was because OG was unhappy with his role, was because Fred was up for a contract. All these guys, and you you heard it from Masai, the, the selfishness, right? He kept bringing up the word selfish. And it's because of the guys who are up for contracts. And what is Pascal and OG up for this season? Contracts. They want their money. And it's not going to work well if you're going to have that plus, you know, good vibes, plus developmental. It's just, you're you're adding too many things to one season. And you're banking on so much. So I would be shocked if they don't extend him and they go into this season having not traded him. It's either you extend him before the season, you extend OG before the season, and you address, you know, you kind of figure it out next summer, or you trade Pascal before the start of the season. Yeah, I don't disagree with that take at all. I am 100% on board with that. I think for me, there was a little arrogance displayed uh, after the trade deadline where Masai said the, the the offers that we receive at trade deadline will more or less be available at the end of the season. And now what you're hearing is the quite the opposite that's happening. Yeah. And now expiring deals are not as attractive anymore. They they are huge gambles for some teams. Like I, I can't see any team that's motivated right now to potentially gut their core and their draft capital for an all NBA player that has outwardly said I'm not going to resign with you guys. And that also kind of shrink the market drastically. And I think Pascal has earned a right to have a say at this point yeah. in his career where he wants to go. Right. So yeah. I don't necessarily knock him for that. But I think just to elaborate on one of your points, this idea of developing and winning at the same time has not been a pretty process for these guys. And it's really complicated uh, some of these issues and it's complicated some of these contract extensions because these players want an opportunity and these players want to get paid. Yeah. The Raptors have a log jam at one particular position and our best players play the same position. So it's going to be yeah. very hard to get that opportunity. And one contract that we fail to talk about and always gets forgotten is Gary. Mm -hmm. oh, he yeah. he yeah. needs to get paid and he's motivated to do well. So it seems like history might potentially repeat itself, but you're hoping that with a developmental coach like Coach Darko and the assistant coaches that they brought in, hopefully vibes will be better. Hopefully opportunities will, will exist and you can just only hope for the best at this point. But pivoting off your best player and there's a potential that you may not get the fair return. Mm -hmm. That's where I get a little bit concerned because you don't want to give away Pascal. You might as well just let him walk for nothing. If you're just going to get a bunch of players that have no future with this team, and then you're just going to try and build through free agency, which we have seen has not been a recipe for success. I think at but, this point, what's the, sorry. what's, I guess the question I would have for you there is like, what's the alternative? Like, if the Raptors are, in, they've put themselves in this position. They, mm -hmm. they have to kind of, it's reaping what you sow in a yep. lot of ways. Because if you don't trade Pascal right now and you go to the trade deadline, the offers are going to be even worse yeah. than what they are right now. Yeah. If you go to the summer and maybe try to, you know, finagle a sign-in trade, 
we already have been through this entire situation with Fred VanVleet. It just, yeah. it's history repeating itself. And also, Fred wasn't your best player. So you can kind of take solace with the fact that, okay, Fred was a guy who was declining. You know, his jumper was really, really inconsistent last season. He's been dealing with injuries for the last couple of years. Maybe letting him walk was the right deal, right? The right call. Just organizationally long-term, maybe there was some rifts there between him and some of the young guys. Let's call that a day, right? Mm -hmm. And move on. You can take solace in that fact. With Pascal, you really can't do that. He is your best player. He has been All-NBA and All-Star level. Those type of players are incredibly hard to find. Finding a, a top 15, top 20 player in the NBA is very difficult to find. If Scotty gets to that point, that's an incredible like achievement for him as a player. Sure. Being able to find a way to trade that guy, one, from an organizational per- perspective, is, is a hard pill to swallow. But you've put yourself in that position now. But now to you know play poker and, and play really, really risky poker with this, right? doubling down on your hand consistently... That's a recipe for failure for this front office. And I agree with your point where some of the messaging from the Raptors front office doesn't entirely make sense because, well, at least, I mean, I, I'll, I'll put it like this. A lot of front offices are like that, right? They're sure. going to, they're going to signal one way and do, do things differently. That happens a lot in the NBA, but the Raptors have said, we're not trying to go to the trade deadline and make deals at that point. Okay. So then. I guess that makes sense to not trade Fred VanVleet, but then you have to make sure that you re-sign him. Mm -hmm. Or with Pascal in this situation, you have to either figure that out in the next month or two, whether you're going to extend him or you're going to trade him. Otherwise, guess what? You're going to be at the trade deadline trying to do the exact same thing. It just, the messaging has not made a ton of sense. It doesn't provide a ton of clarity. Uh, And I, I think there is some misdirection there to see where they're at. But at the same time, you sort of question if, they are also behind the eight ball in a lot of ways that way. I agree, I agree with you that, you know, some of these final, these last couple of seasons, some of the decision-making has been questionable, to say the least. <laughs> it, it, it's been my position for quite some time. And I think as a fan and somebody that talks about this team on, on a regular basis, you want to see this team be successful. And it doesn't necessarily mean a championship. I think expecting a championship every single year is, is a very unrealistic goal. But I think you you need to be building towards something. And the Raptors have been to the mountaintop. And it just seems like they've been slipping ever since. And struggling to at least scrape back up halfway to that mountaintop. And I think that's what the frustrating thing for me. It's it's not fun. It's not no, fun talking no, about this. No, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's yeah. quite depressing. And I definitely don't want to poke fun at that. But... I think the best option to answer your question, I think the best option is to extend Pascal at this point, because at least if you do decide to pivot, that team is going to be more interested because they have security. Yeah. So you'll be able to maximize your return to the best of your ability. And this is what front offices get paid to do. Their front, front offices are supposed to see these problems ahead of time. They're supposed to, Think about plan A, plan B, plan C, right down to Z. Like, that's why you're getting paid the big bucks. And I agree. I think they've been behind the eight ball for quite some time. I think their egos potentially might have played a a factor in this, trying to do things the Raptors way, the Vision 6-9 way. I definitely feel like that probably played a part into this. And you know what? I'm okay with Vision 6-9, but with Vision 6-9 came limitations. And the unfortunate part is that we did not have enough spacing to allow these guys to operate, the OGs, the Scotties, and 
You can throw Precious. Pascal is attracting double teams, even triple teams now in in order for us to be successful. And he has to log in heavy minutes. So I think all these problems compounded is definitely leading to a complicated offseason. I said it from jump last season that they were going to be entering an important offseason and they are in it now. And it just seems that, like you said, they're behind the eight ball and they might not know what's coming down to pipeline. So this is what they get paid to do, man. This front office is going to either put up or shut up at this point. Yeah. And you hear the you hear the rumors that, you know, like there's potential implications for what happens in the next couple of years for Masai, for Bobby. So I I think that there is pressure on these guys now to to sort of figure something out. the, the other side of this is like, okay, so if, if extending is the way to go and if extending is what should happen, and I agree with you, I think that logic is completely fair. You'd be able to ex- extend him and then even at the deadline or next summer, you have a guy who's on a four-year deal that you can potentially move, right? Or even two years down the road, you know, he's on a three-year deal. People would be interested in Pascal Siakam at that point. But where's the extension? If, if, that's, if that's the way to go, where is it? Like, Because yeah. he is extension eligible. He can sign that extension tomorrow. He can extend it, sign it today if he wants to. That hasn't can't come down the pipeline. We haven't even heard anything about it either. There's no sides are talking, sides are discussing. Uh, the last reporting we got from Michael Grange was that they're going to sit and wait and see and see where they're at. And the wait and see approach is back at it again. So I, just, I think, look, maybe they're, they're waiting some things out. Maybe the Dame situation is something they're looking at and seeing, hey, can we get involved as a third team or a fourth team? Maybe the same thing happens with James Harden. Maybe they say we can get involved as a third team or a fourth team there. Uh, And then, yeah, like as some of the Raptors fanatics on Twitter will mention, Kobe Bufkin is eligible again to get traded on August 6th. So maybe they're waiting till then. Maybe August 6th is the day that Pascal gets traded, but the extension hasn't come. And if the extension is the way to go, I don't know, man. It just it just makes me think again. We're we're headed towards a trade. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's fair. Um, man, it just seems like it's so simple, but it's not at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it's very easy for us to talk about. Like I could say, yeah, sign him today, give him the extension. But yeah, there's there's also ramifications from that. I think just from a, I'm just thinking about it logically. You know, yeah. it, it just makes more sense. Don't. Well, and then, and then let's say you, the other, now that we're thinking about ramifications, it's like my mind is racing with them. So like, okay, you extend uh, Pascal, OG is now unhappy and wants out. And he's your younger 26 year old guy who you want to bank your development on with Scotty. How are you going to resuscitate and fix that situation? Another problem pops up. It's like whack-a-mole, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so one (laughs) thing after another, you have to try to put fires out, these little fires around them. I think starting anew, starting fresh is the best approach. Uh, And like you might have to take less than you expect in a Pascal deal. And it's sort of because of the fact that, you know, over the last couple of years, they they haven't nailed the marginal stuff. And I'll just say this on like the Pascal tenure. He's really gotten the short end of the stick, man. Oh, absolutely. he He played. I mean, he was forced to play center for a little bit there over the first couple of seasons without Kyle Lowry. Obviously, the Aaron Bain situation didn't work out. They brought in Alex Len. The Tampa season was was awful on that front. And then you have Scotty come in. They have an incredible season, but they're still waiting for a center. Then last season, you know, he gets hurt. He gets hurt. He has he has a groin thing two years in a row. It's just it's awful to see 
that this Pascal tenure gets the short end of the stick. I, I like, I don't want to say it reminds me of Bosch because I think, I think those are very two different situations and two different front offices, but in a lot of ways, Bosch also got the short end of the stick because roster construction wasn't there. Certain signings, certain deals, the Jermaine O'Neal trade, like a lot of these things just didn't work out the way they wanted it to, right? Oh. Hito Turkoglu, Sean Marion, we can go on and on. And like a lot of these things didn't work out the way they wanted it to. I think the same can be said for the Pascal tenure where a lot of the things that they banked on didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. Malachi Flynn, Eric, Aaron Baines, Alex Len, et cetera, et cetera. They all kind of bubbled up into this moment here. And now we're seeing the Raptors dealing with these repercussions. Revisiting Raptors history in any capacity gets so dis- depressing and disappointing. <laughs> I, I, I can't fathom. I'll say this. We have a bar. At least I have a bar. We traded Vince Carter mm-hmm. for two Williams in a morning that did not show. He did not show. He did not show. That he that said, morning said, was glossy. He said, down. I hate your metric system, bro. <laughs> I hate your metric. And then to boot, he wins a championship. Yeah. Yeah. As long as we don't hit that bar again, I'm totally okay with it. I think fair enough. I, I think the front office is a little bit more competent than that. We can agree. They uh, are yes, right. They are. So yeah. so they'll they'll do a lot better than that. I think, and this is why I'm leaning towards extension. It's because for those exact reasons that you said that the Raptors failed to build a great team around their best player. Yeah, and and asked him to not only do what he's capable of doing, but to extend himself further for the betterment of this team while everybody else was playing catch up like the OGs. And now Scotty Barnes, that they are banking a lot on him. And I'm, I really hope that they're not ho- uh, putting the same kind of pressure on Grady Dick, mm-hmm. who is a lotto pick as well. But he does bring a lot of things to the table, but he's not. Uh, a Mr. Fix it for all the for yeah, all our issues yeah. with this team. So I really hope that they learn from their experience. And you're you're definitely ex- expecting that going with developmental coaches, that developmental approach, that I would say the the mother goose approach, the softer approach with some of these right. players that I've, I'm not necessarily a fan of being a mm-hmm. coach at some point. Mm-hmm. Not on a professional level, but <laughs> I've, I've coached. I I I consider myself the. Z version of Popovich, somebody that's very vocal and very passionate. Yeah. Like that's that's my coaching style. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. doesn't work for everybody. So maybe this is the approach that we need to go with. Yeah. But I, I hope that the Raptors definitely pick a direction. And it's maybe interesting. it's interesting that you say the coach thing because I think a lot of teams are pivoting to younger coaches definitely. that can relate to the younger guys. Like Joe Mazzula is one of those. He's a younger coach. Um I want to say the guy in Will Hardy in Utah, also a younger coach. A lot of teams are pivoting to younger guys because as much as we can talk about it, the older coaching style, the more vocal, the more in-your-face style, it's not as – it doesn't work as much on this younger generation. And I can can say this from – I've talked to my high school coach before. And he used to be on our asses. Like he, he used, he used to yell at us consistently, make us run, et cetera. Like if we had trash after the practice, he would make us run for every piece of trash we forgot out in the gym. So like he was, he was on our ass consistently. And he told me recently, he's like, I can't do that anymore. I can't yell at kids. (laughs) I can't, I can't, I can't approach people like that. I have to, 
say something positive in a negative or sorry, sorry, I have to say something negative in a positive way and affirm them that way that they can learn and develop because that style doesn't work anymore. And I think that's something a lot of coaches at all levels are trying to adjust to. And I wonder how that, how, what the implication of that is in the NBA. I I think we're seeing it already. Yeah, definitely. I think coaches have to be more adaptable Mm -hmm. nowadays. And I think that even as great a coach as Greg Popovich is, you can see now that he, has a softer approach with yeah. with these guys and and I think you as a great coach or as a coach in general you have to recognize your audience and I think that there is a lot more emphasis on that but I'm a firm believer that too much hand holding is not always beneficial as well right so yeah. there de- there definitely needs to be a balance I think at the end of the day you can still get your point across without being disrespectful I yeah. think that's that should be an expectation regardless of coaching style, regardless of eras. There's, there's no need to make things personal about something that you are trying to accomplish together and that you're going to have to lean on each other. So let's see how all this plays out. The the wait and see continues to be <laughs> strong and true. We can agree that this team is not done though. They have filled their last roster. It's not a complete team. Mm-hmm. I don't see this being a top six team, but like, what's, what's your take oh, on that? Oh, absolutely not. No. Yeah. I, I, and, and I, I'll ask you this. So uh, obviously there's the top six. Okay. Uh, uh, from last year, but I'll just, I'll, I'll go outside of the top six. Do you think Brooklyn is a better team than the Toronto Raptors? I think that's debatable. Yeah. I think that's debatable. I think, I think I would take the Raptors over the Brooklyn Nets. Right. Yeah. I think that they probably are worse than us. Okay. Edge Raptors. Yeah. The, the Atlanta Hawks. Would you say edge hawk? I'm I'm giving the edge to the Hawks, to be honest with you. Yeah, I would say I just because there's less predictability on that front. Mm-hmm. Um new new coach in Quinn and, Snyder, I think they look better, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Edge Hawks. Miami and Toronto. I, I even if they get I mean, if they get Dame for sure, Edge Miami. Sure. I would say also in in a battle, I'd probably say Edge Miami right now too. Yeah, I I would think so. I think what separates the Raptors from those two teams already, their role definition. Yeah. They know who they are and they know what they're doing. So yeah, Yeah, Edge Miami. Uh, Okay, Indiana. I think Indiana is better. Flat out, I will say right now, Indiana is going to be better next season. Yeah, better, younger, um, a little bit more versatility, balance out with – Ball creation, shooting. Basically, what the Pacers are is exactly what I want us to be. <laughs> I agree with you. And by the way, would be an incredible team for Pascal to play for. Like, oh, absolutely. It's just a perfect combination of shooting, playmaking, defense next to him. Just It would make him blossom into another level, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, okay. Then you have the teams that are pro- the Raptors are probably better than. Raptors are better than Charlotte. They're better yep. than the Pistons. Yep. They're going to be better than the Wizards. Yep. Um, they're they are probably better than the bulls although you know they lost to the bulls last year in the play-in um so that puts them at a 10 or 11 seed maybe a 12 seed in in the eastern conference that's where they're at yep yep i don't disagree i see them (laughs) being a play-in team battling i i don't see it being unrealistic that they potentially be a 10 seed yeah yeah i can see that right I, i i definitely don't hope that they're at 10 seed. Uh, I think best case, OG's having a career season. Scotty uh, has I, taken I, the all-star ha, leap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I think that, I think Pascal being the, the beacon of consistency, Gary recaptures his form. 
those are a lot of variables to bank on. Yeah. I think with all those considered, they're a if six you, seed. Yes, I agree. If that <laughs> all happens, they're, I would say they're probably in the mix with, you know, Cleveland, New York. I think they would be better than the Knicks, right? I sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they would be a top five, six team, 100%. Those are a lot of variables, though. Like you yeah. said, that's a lot to bank on. It's that's saying Precious is going to take a leap. That's saying Scotty's going to be an All Star next year. OG's going to put it all together finally. Pascal is an All All NBA All Star guy again. Then Dennis Schroeder, the the veteran signing, works incredibly well, even though he's not a good shooter. Like yeah. you, you're you're expecting a lot. We were, I was talking to Amit. Uh, shout out to Amit. He's Yahoo Sports, big, big, big aficionado on there. Yes, and we sir. were kind of saying, like, what what would their ranking be in an ideal situation on offense and defense? I think they could ideally have a top ten defense. I think they'll they'll be a very good defensive team. Offensively, ideally, they could be like fifteenth. That would be incredible if they were fifteenth. Yeah. It would be a success by like beyond measure if they became the 15th best offense this team is probably a bottom 10 offensive team on average you know yeah. what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. man <laughs> like i i put them at best 15 20th both offense and defense yeah yeah for sure if we're, with all those all those hitting and you could even throw precious in there precious mm-hmm. is in the contract year as well yeah. and they want to see what they're getting with him, right? And and he has as much as potential as the next person on this team. So again, a lot of variables. I'm not. I wasn't very good at math in in, in school, <laughs> but like I knew variables. That word yeah. sticks out, man. Variables yeah. means that there's a lot of things that could go down, man. Yeah. And man, I do not want to see what this math equation plays out if things go all go all sour for this team. But again, secondary moves. We can admit that Shea is out of the picture. Maybe Giannis, you know, some uncomfortableness <laughs> going on in Milwaukee. Yes, I'm pushing the Giannis agenda right now. <laughs> All these missed opportunities mm-hmm. are no longer on the table. But there might be a secondary move, maybe a not-so-sexy move on the table. Sure. Without necessarily providing the framework. Because I think that the Raptors definitely have enough contracts and enough enough assets to an extent to offer a team a decent package but is mm-hmm. there a player right now it doesn't it doesn't matter you're just a player on top of your head player that you want on this team that can help the raptors in any area who's that player to you mm, that is tough i like people wouldn't love this but i think tj mcconnell would be a nice pickup for the raptors he's not necessarily a shooter he kind of brings a similar vibe to dennis schroeder in the sense that like he's a pesky defender, he who's undersized, who's going to do all the dirty work for you, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that would be an interesting trade. You sent Thad Young home, you bring TJ McConnell in, and that's pretty much apples for apples, like a very even trade in my opinion. Thad Young gets to be a veteran on a young Pacers team. That's essentially what the deal would be. And I think it works also, like literally contract for contract it works. Another guy that comes to mind, Peyton Pritchard on the Boston Celtics. Again, another guard. He's a guy who can actually shoot. He is the defensive liability, but still uh, someone with a little bit of upside offensively that you can maybe rely on. I'm not sure people would love that, but that's another guy that kind of sticks out to me as a guy. How about Cole Anthony on the Orlando Magic? A guy who, you know, the, the Orlando Magic have a lot of, they have a stack guard rotation. Cole Anthony is up for a contract extension. Maybe you do something where 
you send Gary Trent Jr. out and you get Cole Anthony and another player coming coming to your team. And now Gary Trent Jr. is part of Orlando Magic's core. You get Cole to be a de facto point guard, if you will, in your system. Not in love with that trade necessarily, but that's something you can technically do. I'm not sure. Like those are those are some guys that just popped out. Maybe Jalen Suggs, if the Orlando Magic give up on Jalen Suggs, if they say, hey, we've got Ant Black here. We like Cole Anthony more. We like Gary Harris more, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe they say, you know what? Jalen Suggs is a guy that we're looking forward to. And then I'm not sure what the deal would be for a guy like that um, because he's so young and because he's still on his rookie deal. But yeah, like that could be someone else I'd be interested in if the Raptors are interested in him. Um, Kevin Porter Jr., maybe, you know, the Houston Rockets guy. Yeah. I'm just I'm just naming – I'm looking at the teams that I'm just naming guys now. But yeah. like Kevin Porter Jr. is a guy, obviously, with them drafting a man Thompson and – you know, obviously they have Fred Van Vliet and Jalen Green now. Maybe he's the odd man out in their guard rotation. They want to win more. Kevin Kevin Porter Jr. needs more opportunity to try and do things elsewhere. Maybe he's a guy the Raptors look at. Um, I, I'm starting to run out of names here. I have no idea. <laughs> do, do, you, do you have any suggestions? Yeah, you know what? I think out of all those names, uh, Kevin Porter would be the most intriguing and then yeah. Peyton Pritchard. I think those would be like my top two and maybe – Cole Anthony round out the third because we need guard depth. We need mm-hmm. scoring guard depth. And we can agree that none of those guys are gun shy. I think yeah. the Raptors have built a team with not so trigger happy guys in a league that is leaning into a very offensive minded league. You yeah. know, you don't have to be a top 10 defense anymore to win a championship. Denver Nuggets proved that. You need to be able to score the basketball. And I think that's where the Raptors have struggled with for quite some time. So I'm all for a bucket getter. And those are young bucket getters, to say the least. I'm looking at an older bucket getter, per se. Okay. And I'm leaning Scary Terry, man. Terry Rozier. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. That's not bad. His contract's kind of big. Yeah. A little little chunky, but I don't hate hate it as a deal. I'll tell you why I like it. We've lacked that bucket getter that mm-hmm. hooper you know yeah. terry rosier has paid his dues similar you you can argue similar to a fred van vliet mode yeah rafters definitely like those type of guards and while defensively he's not bringing not uh, a lot but you have enough defense around him that you can live with one player not being a great defender and it's yeah. not to say that he cannot be a great defender. All you need to do is get a hand up and stay in front of your guy. He's athletic enough to do that, and he can be a competitor. Doesn't doesn't mean average, but he can compete defensively. But I'm looking at what he can provide on offense. Somebody that's going to take that pressure off of Pascal. To an extent, off of OG. Less creation out of those guys' hands. Even Scotty, to an extent. You have that safety net. That was the role for Freddie. Mm-hmm. And it was unfortunate that he was injured. We can definitely see that he was not himself the shooting was not there and i think for terry rosier who was in a situation where he had to become their best player and still put up decent numbers in a not so favorable situation while battling injury is definitely impressive and his contract not very sexy but maybe you package a boucher and a thad and you throw in something else listen at this point Nothing is off the table for this team. <laughs> and the way that Masai likes to give out draft picks like Halloween candy, yeah. I'm I'm not opposed to potentially attaching a pick <laughs> if it means that we're going to have a solid starting five. You know, just just imagine. Yeah. I you, hear you. I just hear imagine. You. Yeah. Just stick with me. Stick with me. Stick with the vision. 
Okay. You have Scary Terry, OG, Scotty, Pascal, and Jakob. Yep. Then coming off the bench, your first two guys, Schroeder, Gary. Gary, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you I could mean, throw in whomever after that, you right? You got Grady, you got McDaniels. You got yeah, Precious. Yeah, yeah. Sounds a lot sexier. I don't hate it, man. I look, <laughs> I, I like Terry Rozier. I, I really do. I'll throw out another name at you that kind of just stuck, stood out to me. Uh, how do you feel about Colin Sexton? Oh, when he went to Utah, I thought it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. I, I, agree. I, I agree with you. I, agree I, with I you. like I like calling Sexton. Like he's not oh. he's not a perimeter threat, but yeah. again, that creative guard, that bull, like he, get downhill, he, be able to. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's basically the Super Saiyan version of Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, you know, I think Sexton is a possibility. Also, I like Terry Rosie, but like Sexton is a possibility because you think of Utah, you think of where they're at. They just drafted Ochai, or well, they traded for Ochai. They drafted Keontae George. They drafted Bryce. They obviously have Jordan Clarkson. Maybe Jordan Clarkson is a guy that they'd be more willing to move. But, like, their guard rotation, if they're trying to develop some of these guys, they need to give them opportunity. Maybe Colin Sexton is the guy who's the odd man out. And I know there were rumors about that before. So, like, maybe, you know, hey, maybe a Gary Colin Sexton swap or something along the lines of that. If you're trying to package the the Boucher-Thad-Auto group, to, to send out, you probably do have to attach picks to to get any of these types of players. But sure. yeah, I kind of like I kind of like Terry or or Colin. I don't, I don't hate either of them to be honest with you. Would be good picks, but those are the type of guys that the Raptors need right now. It's the it's the guard creator who can create his own shot, his own shot for himself. Could work in tandem with Pascal, with Scotty, with OG. Um, who like honestly even even though they are not the greatest defenders i think with the right buy in could be average defenders or at least neutral defenders uh and maybe that works out i don't know i like it i, I don't hate it we need hoopers man that's that's what we need we need hoopers you. man and i i think both those guys will bring an element to this team that has been missing for quite some time you can even argue since Lowry leaving you know yeah. what i mean you could definitely yeah. make that argument um yeah those are those are solid options uh it's just whether this fo feels the same way that that is the big question and and i think like we said on multiple platforms you said it multiple times i said it multiple times until they commit to direction we don't we don't know if, if these are even opportunities for them but let's stick with the hypotheticals now okay. let's let, let's paint the scenario the Raptors have committed to a direction. Pascal has an extension in place. Okay. There's a lot of players that have big names, like the Danes, like the Hardens. They're all av available, quote unquote. An intriguing name out of all the all those players is Zion Williamson. Mm, okay. Now, the Raptors have committed to a direction. Dame has said, okay, you know what? I know I want to be with Miami, but I'm willing to play for any team. And we can agree that Dame here will arguably have one of the better teams in his career and will get two of the best years of Dame. We don't know what the third is going to look like, but then we'll also be in a draft position once again. So I definitely like that approach, but I'm definitely intrigued by Zion for mm -hmm. obvious reasons. Yeah. If you had to lean in a, in a player's direction, whether it be Zion or Dame, and in terms of fit, which direction are you leaning in? So who am I sending out in this scenario? That's That would be my first question. Now, let's assume that 
the pivot uh, off of Pascal is alive and well for salary okay. purposes. Okay, so you can move Pascal for okay. I got One you. of the two. Um, if it was for Pascal, oh, I I just don't think it makes sense to do Dame for Pascal. I think I would rather do Scotty for Pascal if that was the case, just because you're going all in on a guy who's older, right? He's he's 33, 34 years old. You pair him up with Pascal, OG, guys who can potentially win a championship. I think they could be a contender tomorrow if they did the Scotty for, for Dame trade. But if it's Zion, it would be much easier to trade Pascal knowing that you have Zion coming in, even though the fit with him and Scotty would be, I don't know, interesting, I guess to say the least. I, I think, hey, Zion is young, Hopefully he he figures out a way to stay healthy out here, and then you go from there. I think I would rather do the Zion trade if it's just Pascal that's on the table. Um, but if if you're giving me options here, I think I would like in general I would prefer the Scotty for Dame trade than a Pascal for Zion trade. Yeah, that would be my lean as well. But you you cannot dismiss the idea of what Zion could be. I mean. Yeah. Before the injuries, man, man. He, unstoppable force. Incredible. One of the yeah. best players in the league. Like, easily, he, if fully healthy, he is right there with the Lucas, with the KDs, with all, all those guys. Like, he is genuinely that good of a basketball player. He showed that in November and December. I, You won't find a bigger Zion fan than me. Like, I, I loved watching the Pelicans when he was healthy. I, I was distraught when that man got injured again this season because they looked so good. They were ready to be like a very, very uh, scary playoff team. I just hope he stays healthy, man. Like in all, in all honesty, outside of the Raptors conversation, I just hope yeah. he, he stays healthy. I think it would be great for basketball if he stays healthy as yeah. well. You know what yeah. I mean? He's definitely one of those marketable guys, uh, exciting young players with, you know, he's literally oozing with potential and, we've saw we, we we've got a glimpse at what peak zion could potentially look like and this yeah. is he's doing all this without a consistent jump shot like i was watching some zion highlights because i wanted to just re-familiarize uh, myself once again with this phenom and yeah. i'm just looking at him and having one of his career games last season i think we were dropped 45 uh against minnesota like well, there, my there was, gosh there was the one game against the raptors too in oh. new orleans where he just destroyed them like he out muscled every single player on the team and the raptors are supposed to be known as like vision six nine we're bigger than you we're better than you and zion said nope no you are not yeah um it was incredible to watch. Honestly, even like even as I was watching that, and obviously having a Raptors hat on, you're just like, "Whoa! Like this is the this is something different." Yeah, and the fact that teams try to put a wall up, and he's battering right through them, like barreling right through. Yeah. Like it, it, it's absolutely incredible. The reason why I would I like the idea of Zion just slightly, slightly more the way his contract is constructed, you know what I mean? It, like not all of it is fully guaranteed. So it's definitely, I'm not, I don't want to call it a low risk, high reward, but the way everything is playing out with him in new Orleans, it definitely gives that vibe. You know what I mean? Like it's a low risk, high reward type of thing, right? Yeah. It also feels like he's probably not going to play out his entire contract there. Sure. Um, yeah. Just because like, since the moment he got drafted, he's been wanting to play for the Knicks, you know, and I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but it, it just doesn't seem like New Orleans was somewhere that he was settled on in the time that he was even drafted. So I could see him 
you know, getting tired of all these trade rumors and all that stuff. And then eventually at some point in this contract asking out. I think as a young player as well, it's definitely frustrating to have your name constantly in headlines and being projected as this negative player. So I'm a firm believer that change of scenery and, and these types of situations are definitely beneficial. And especially for a young player and coming to what would be a young team with a Scotty and with an OG potentially. It, it's it's a nice tandem to create mm-hmm. now now spacing will definitely be an issue but i definitely feel that zion is so dynamic enough that you will find a way to make it work i think any coach when you have that kind of talent available you'll figure it out there yeah. are ways that you can utilize uh zion and maybe in that pascal role once again you know being able to do some dribble handoffs or passing in transition because a lot of attention is going to be put on uh, placed on him so yeah. a lot of opportunities are going to be available to you so uh i think i'm just getting greedy at this point you know having <laughs> having vince carter here uh, at one point and Kawhi and pascal i i think i want that i want that machismo i guess that's a point i don't know if that's the right word but that that that, that guy you know what i mean (laughs) i hear you man like Kawhi, you know you want that guy we've seen it every year the nba championship goes to a top five or six guy top five seven five to seven guy in the nba um like the last time that happened that it wasn't like that was probably the 04 pistons that was the last time where It was there wasn't a top, you know, Chauncey Billups was maybe like a top 15 guy in the NBA, top 10, maybe if you, I doubt he'd be top 10, but like top yeah. 15. Top 15 guy, is realistic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was the best player on that team. Ben Wallace was like, they had a bunch of good players, but no one that was a top five, six guy. Look at the rest of NBA history. Almost all the time, it's going to be a guy who is in the top five, six in the league and dominating. And you can't really win a championship without those guys. Zion can be that guy for a team if he's fully healthy well said man i don't have anything to add to that that <laughs> you're spitting facts bro this is, this is why i brought you here man i, I absolutely <laughs> love it um but you know it's it's the summertime so you know we're, we're fishing at this point for for material right yeah, i mean you could yeah. attest that you, you do this for a living i i, I hear you bro yeah, <laughs> you know man. summer content is still alive and well tis the season for Summer runs, the Rico mm-hmm. Hines runs, the Miami Pro-Am, the, yeah. the Jamal Crawford Pro-Am. Take your pick. There's, there's pro, there are Pro-Ams coming out everywhere. Even Toronto has a yeah. Pro-Am. It seemed like last season, and I was guilty of it. I will admit, I admit it on my last episode. I'll admit it again. I bought into the propaganda. I was getting hyped with the Rico Hines runs. I was like, oh, my gosh, uh, OG has a dribble pull-up. You know, Pascal shooting threes. Freddie looks good. Scotty looks like baby Giannis. I was buying the hype, man. I drank the Kool-Aid. And then we got the kiss of death from Paul George saying, oh, we're going to be a problem. we had other problems. (laughs) We definitely had other problems. But it, it seems like. We, we are at this point where we're yearning for that content in the off season now. And with so, with social media being as big as, as it is right now, it's literally at our fingertips. And yeah. we've we seen the Scotty, the Scotty Barnes, not oh, the, so the, exciting. The... <laughs> <laughs> Summer run, getting bullied by people. Yeah, you can argue is, is less talented than he is. Yeah. Uh, 
give me your overreaction to these summer runs. Like, do you put a lot of weight into it? And did you I, buy I in? To. I did you buy to. in last season? No, you weren't. You weren't so last se last season, I did, and I'm with yes. you. I was there too. But you know, <laughs> I saw today that Rudy Gobert was shooting three point shots, oh. and oh. and you know, like let's just call it what it is. Like, come on, let's just put it to a rest. You know, there's no way that man is attempting threes in an NBA game. It's just not going to happen. So that's how you know these workout videos are just absolutely ridiculous. Ben Simmons is out here posting a workout video every single day. You know that's not going to, you know what I mean? Let's just put it to a rest. Workout videos don't mean much at all. My overreaction is I'm not going to overreact to the Scotty Barnes one-on-one -on -one yes. video. I'm just not going to do it. I think Samson, shout out to Samson, Raptors folk, he, Raptors folk, Raptors Republic. He said it absolutely the best. He said, that's not Scotty's game. He was never supposed to be a one-on-one -on -one initiator creator. That's literally in the two years he's been in the NBA, he's never been good at doing any of that. So why would he be good in a one-on-one -on -one workout, even if it's against Andre Drummond and Marvin freaking Bagley? There's no way that he was going to look successful in that scenario. Scotty is an incredible passer. He's a guy who has tons of upside as a defender. He's a guy who can be uh, creative as a post player. He finds very, very unique angles to get his own shot off. He's working on his pull-up jump shot. He's working on becoming a better catch-and-shoot player. But for him to be a one-on-one, -on -one, break your guy off the dribble, beat him off the bounce, get to the cup type of guy, he just hasn't been that guy. He never really has. So um, I just, yeah, I think that was kind of like fool's gold for a lot of people uh, to to assume that like it's over for Scotty because he he couldn't <laughs> he couldn't score on Marvin Bagley. But you know, but it it is what it is, man. It is what it is. People are gonna overreact, right? You're right. It's like the social media world, everything that we see now. Even uh, Precious Achua today, he he. Th there was a video that dropped of him just knocking down corner three after corner three. And it's like, man, you got to take that with a grain of salt because I've seen Rudy Gobert knock down a bunch of threes uh, wide open. I've seen, you know, in the, in the CBL, Eddie Ekior just hitting a bunch of shots, all of the threes in the world, and he never attempts a three-pointed shot in the actual game. It's just you see these guys, they're so much more talented. Than they actually than like the regular person, so of course they can hit open shots, you know. So yeah, that's my assessment of the Scotty Barnes one on one video. Uh, uh, I'm with you, man. I'm not overreacting. We've seen Scotty win Rookie of the Year, and he was dominant with zero role, you know. Yeah. And putting him in this box as to what we want him to be, I, I don't think that's fair to a young player because they have they they could go in either direction, you know what I mean, and sky's the limit for him and and i think a lot of it has to do with his approach but yeah i'm I'm not using that as a measuring stick like come on yeah like there's there's a lot of areas of scotty's game that he has to grow in and a lot of that is getting in the gym and working on them defensively it's it's figuring out how you can make better reads in the pick and roll as a passer it's being able to just work on your post game work on ways to create advantages for yourself one-on-one -on -one, sure it's one of the areas where he is not successful at but it's also not the do or die factor for him as a player. It just doesn't need to be. It doesn't matter as much in the grand scheme of things when it comes to Scotty Barnes' development. Fair. I think asking him to do something that he's not capable of doing or it's not his strength, you're going to have to live with the results if that is the mm -hmm. expectation, right? Um, but I, I look at the summer, it's a time to experiment. You know yeah. what I mean? See, see what hits, what doesn't. I mean, 
one one other infamous uh summer tapes that sticks out was Mitchell Robinson last season, you know, shooting <laughs> yeah, threes but... off the dribble, you know, yeah. you know, like and we didn't see that at all during the season, right? So I, I think that we need to just scale it back. I think Raptors fans are awfully passionate and yeah, I, I think they're you know, you can argue a little sensitive right now to everything because they want this team to be successful. We got the taste of a championship, and I definitely feel like that plays a part. As to this, uh, I guess you could say uh, the hypersensitivity of it all. Yeah, hyper, I don't know. <laughs> yeah look, I, I think it's it was like the Raptors for a long time, Raptors fans at least, were very much so, um, they were an insecure f- fan base because of all the things we've mentioned today on this podcast. The Vince Carter trade, Chris, ba- Chris Bosh leaving and saying, hey, where do you think I should go next on Twitter? Like all these little tiny things had made the Raptors fan base so insecure. Kawhi leaving, obviously. They won an NBA championship. That insecurity turned into emboldenedness. They became so emboldened with what they were, who they were as a player. They they decided, hey, we're going to trust Masai for everything. We're going to do everything to believe in this team and believe in what this core is. It worked for a little bit, but that shine has rubbed off a little bit the 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 love uh the the attractiveness the players and the front office just the organization in general some of the players aren't there some of the organization like front office members aren't even on the team anymore so things change and you have to find a new identity and i think the raptors fans also will have to find a new identity at some point too because it's now the insecurity of 25 years of a fan base that has been, you know, doubted, been been counted out, et cetera, et cetera, and then emboldened by an NBA championship. Now you're entering a new phase of, of Raptors Twitter and Raptors fandom where you're kind of walking into unter- unmarked territory and you don't know what, what's next with this fan base because of the past and, and how much that plays a part in what this fan base is now. It's It's really interesting because you look at older teams right like lakers fans right or celtics fans and like they're they're a rabid fan base too right you you say something bad about jalen brown right now trust me celtics fans hate me for some reason uh they, they yeah, just, you know yeah. what i noticed that yeah they don't fans, like you man they're not they're not a fan of my work let me tell you that so I, and you know what's crazy like I've, I've i've always tried to be cool i never try to say anything crazy about celtics fans because i know they jump on me like crazy so in general how does that play out over like 40, 50 years? Because Celtics fans have been doing this for 40, 50 years, right? They know that. Lakers fans have been doing this for 40, 50 years. How does a Raptors fan base look 30 years from now when it's a 50-year franchise? And, you know, there there is the 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 ridden past of their, their beginning. There is the championship. And then there's after the championship. What kind of unmarked territory we're going to, into, I have no idea. But it's just an interesting thing to think of. Yeah, I, I would compare it to walking in a field of landmines blindfolded you know you need <laughs> which is very dark to an extent but, but that's what it is like anything could set us off but you've yeah. hit a lot of points man and i think one factor is you know not getting love from espn people seem to take that to heart man yeah. um yeah, yeah. I don't, you get you get counted out you get doubted the national media is against the toronto raptors all that stuff is is part of that insecurity that we built up i i should i had it you know i, you, I think we all did we all do we right? all did um, right yeah you get counted out you get counted out in the power rankings remember for the Raptors championship, I think it was like NBA TV and they had the Raptors eighth in the playoffs. Right. And then they yeah. ended up winning the, so it's just, it's just things people use to, to build up their own agendas and narratives. And now it's, 
now it's even crazier. Now it just everything is Stan culture. You know, yes. there's there's Grady Dick Stan accounts. There's Gary Trent Jr. Stan accounts. There's Precious Sachua Stan account. Every player has its own function and faction of of the fan base, and it's it's made it much more interesting to say the least. I think that's a nice way to put it. Very interesting to say the <laughs> least, man. Yeah, I, I think we, we are entering, and if not, we are existing in a very interesting time with this Raptors team yeah. and with Raptors fandom. I, I think at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want this team to be successful. Whether it comes across in a polite way or impolite way, It yeah. def, that definitely seems the like-minded goal. But I, I definitely think that, and this is probably the only time I'm going to say it, I think we need to mimic the approach of this FO. Wait and see before you have a reaction. <laughs> Wait and see. Um, before we get out of here, brother, uh, I just want to touch on your mini series that you got going on, The Leap. By yeah. the way, love the intro. I feel like I'm entering a dimension <laughs> of hoops. I think it's absolutely hey, that's, awesome, that's man. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. No, um, look, I, I was just like, let's let's have fun with it, right? Let's have fun with it. See what we can do to kind of like build up the production and make it cool. I appreciate the fact that you liked it. it yeah, cool. man. I thought it was, I thought it was awesome, but you you talked about a, a very interesting Raptors player, and we said that I think we can probably count the amount of times you said interesting on this pod, but Precious <laughs> Achua, definitely an interesting player. A lot of upside, yeah. highs and lows, peaks and valleys, as they say, is definitely yeah. a, a way to describe Precious Achua. But we can both agree that he is bursting at the seams with potential. There's a lot of things that he can do well, and Absolutely. there's a lot of things that he needs to work on. And I think that he does suffer from identity crisis a little bit. He just needs to figure out the type of player that he wants to be. So I, I definitely feel that part of the Raptors having a successful season is figuring out what your players are and how are they going to be impactful with this team. But without giving away everything from your pod, and I definitely want you guys to check it out, check it out on the objective podcast, the leap. Definitely. You will enjoy it. The ceiling for precious to chew up. I was supposed to be working today. And I think I probably spent like the first hour and a half trying to figure out the type (laughs) of player that precious to chew is going to be. And I was looking at his build, the athleticism, the potential, the idea of him being a perimeter threat, the idea of him being a one-on-one threat. There's one player that sticks out, and I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. Josh Smith, I think, is an interesting player comp for Precious at his peak. Because we can agree, Josh Smith was a freak athlete of athletes like one of the best that we have ever seen um but wasn't very good on a one-on-one definitely one of the more exciting players in transition can hit the spot up even made all defensive second team i definitely feel like with those little bit of comps i see precious kind of going into that direction at his peak and this is like i like that yeah, I think when he figures it out, I think that his potential could be a Josh Smith type. And for the younger folks that may or may not be listening, if you do not know who Josh Smith is, do yourself a favor. One <laughs> of the better highlights packages out there. Definitely yeah. check it out. But what's your what's your thought on the Josh so Smith? So I, I like it. When I think of Josh Smith, I think of like ahead of his time. You know, if, you, if Josh Smith had played today, he'd probably be like a small ball five. He'd do a little bit of passing. He'd be like a shot blocker, rim protector, right? Um, yeah, but he's, he's incredibly ahead of his time. Hyper athlete, like you mentioned, guy who can just jump out of the gym. Uh, he stretched the floor a little bit. Like he started to, towards the end of his career, he started to hit more shots. 
Um, it was crazy though, because Josh Smith, it kind of reminds me, you remember how Josh Smith, like he could hit his threes, but then sometimes it would be like top of the backboard with some of his jump shots. And that reminds me a lot of precious where sometimes, you know, the jump shot looks clean. It it looks nice. And then it it flies into the stands for some reason. (laughs) Um, so I, I see where you're coming with the comp. I just think like at his peak as a, as a player, he can be an all defense level, big man. Uh, who is undersized for his position, but can guard up. He's like 6'9", 6'10", but he can guard your Embiid's. He can guard your Jokic's because he's so sturdy and so strong. Um, I think he's a guy who can switch out. He's just like an incredible defender. I, like defensive potential is oozing out of him, right? I, I just think it's it's so obvious to see that he can be that type of player. He just has to buy into it consistently. Offensively, it's more about a buy-in to his role and what he is going to be moving forward. Is he going to be your rim running lob threat using his athleticism to be a hard cutter, a good cutter, a guy who can move off the ball, et cetera, et cetera. Or is he going to try to lean more into the perimeter oriented role where he's a, a floor spacer, a guy who can knock down shots. And that requires a ton of development from him. So is he going to buy into the easy path in front of him to be this like bread and butter? I'm going to get my, most of my, points off layups and dunks or am i going to try to become more of an on-ball creator i think that's something like that's an identity crisis that he's dealing with himself because he doesn't know what he can tap into uh and obviously it's the shot creators it's the on-ball creators who make the money in this league and as a guy a young guy you want to be able to make, make make a good chunk of change when you're in this in this league and i think that's what precious is dealing with right now it's like how can I be a max type player if I'm just this rim running, diving to the basket, shot blocking, defending big man? Like I, I can clearly make more money if I'm this on ball creator type. And I think that's where Precious is at in his career. It's figuring out who he can really be. And it's also more fun to be less one dimensional, right? And leading yeah. into one particular area. And yeah, I agree with you. I think that there, there's a lot of opportunities for Precious to go in multiple directions. Um, I think that it is important for him, like you guys touch on, and, and shout out Trey for putting out a phenomenal pot, you know, being able to knock down that open shot yeah. is key because those opportunities are going to be in abundance with this team. The opportunities to run in transition, to move off ball, the, the 0.5 second offense is going to be alive and well, apparently. And I think that he's essentially built to thrive in this kind of offense so i think it is important for him to kind of figure out um what type of player that he wants to be and i think in the short term i think keep it simple mm-hmm. lean into his strengths be able to knock down the corner three i think that's a great place to start from him i think less creation would be the thing going forward for him because like I'll, I'll use Josh smith again creation was not his strong suit no. Not until the, like the later parts of his career where he figured out, like, you know what? Josh Smith made a lot of money, though, by the way. He made bank, man. Yeah. He made bank. And I think the Pistons still owe him. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, 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 you know, maybe like even at Precious's peak, he, he still won't amount to that. But I think that is a very achievable player type for him. Maybe that's somebody mm-hmm. that he could look into, but I, I just thought it was an interesting comparison. Like I when like I it. just, when I look at the two of them, you know, there, there's some yeah. similarities, but there is a lot of differences. Um, and I think that's a great place to leave it off, brother. Um, 
man, this was so much fun. I don't know why I waited so long to get you on this pod. Uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. It was, it, you were testing out my ball knowledge on the court first, and then once I hit a couple layups, once once I beat you off the dribble a couple times, you were just like, "All right, okay, cool. He can come on the podcast now." That's what it was. You you know what, man? I think it's so great when you talk about ball and you write about it to then meet the person, uh, uh yeah, from behind the camera or behind the microphone, and then you see them actually hoop. Yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. just reinforces that respect <laughs> and you definitely earned my respect, man. But I'll be honest, full disclosure. Yeah. I thought you were big time and I'm like, he's not <laughs> going to come on my pod. I'll be honest, man. I'm like, no, let me, man, get, let me no. gain this guy's um, trust. And I, but you know what? The, re- the rest is history. The, the yeah. Raptors Republic party, you know, shout out Samson yes, and Mac, you know, for making this great connection. And, you know, the rest is history. I consider you one of my guys. Of I course, appreciate man. you, man. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. That is the pod. Uh, S, again, thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. I know that you are unplugging in, in the very near future. You Ooh, might be disconnected. I'm so ready to get... Listen, the only, <laughs> thing I, the only thing I'm coming out of a cocoon for, all right? The only thing I, I'm, I'm unraveling for, it is a Pascal trade, a Dame trade, or a Harden trade. Other than that, don't call me. Don't text me <laughs> until September. I'm gone. All right, that's that's all I'll say. Maybe not September, actually, end of August. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I got it. Okay, well, I guess you got nothing to plug then. You're gonna be <laughs> vacation mode, man. No, no, no. Tap into the leap. We got, we got, we got episodes coming every single week. Uh, tw- two episodes a week. It's gonna be awesome until pretty much the end of August. Uh, yes, on the Objective Basketball Podcast. Go ahead and tap into it. And before you guys head out, before everybody stops listening, Curly, my guy, I appreciate you. I would never big time you. You're a real one. Uh, yeah, it's just awesome to have someone like you that kind of gets us all together and and hoops and like it's just it's awesome, bro. You have a better jersey collection than I do. You're a better <laughs> hoop grid than I do, and I salute you, my friend. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate that. It's very, it's very <laughs> humbling. Um, you know, with somebody with your status, you know. Oh, but yeah, I'll I'll get look, out of here. The, the last get time out. I'll say it. The last time oh, I'll say it. Uh, <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, please, if you have not done so already, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It'll mean so much if you take time to do so. Please check out the Objective Podcast. He doesn't need a plug, but it's phenomenal stuff. You know, he's not just covering Raptors; he's covering NBA, touching on life as well. The objective is to keep you entertained, and he definitely accomplishes that. So shout out to US, shout out to Lauren, and until the next episode, which potentially might be very soon. We don't know. We don't know what is going to happen with this crazy team. But until then, please continue to stay healthy and stay safe, good people. Peace.